I was minding my own business this morning when a hacker came along and stole my data from the unsecured public network. Gee, I wish there was some way to prevent that from happening. All you need is ExpressVPN. A VPN, or virtual private network, encrypts your data so the bad guys can't steal it. Wow! Have you ever heard of dynamic pricing? What's that? Online retailers charge you more based on where you live. With ExpressVPN, you can appear anywhere you want and get the best deal. That's my favorite kind of deal. What else can ExpressVPN do for me? You can get access to streaming content that's normally blocked in your region. Could I even use it to get past restrictions on work or school networks? Yes, all you have to do is use the ExpressVPN app on your device. You can even use it on your router. That's right. Just go to expressvpn.com forward slash capital A capital C capital P for a special offer and get three months free when you sign up for one year of service. What a deal. Thanks, Thanks ExpressVPN. Express That's expressvpn.com forward slash capital ACP. It's time for the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA, Agent Ether, and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check us out on other social media platforms, such as Discord or Reddit. Links in the description. This week's episode... Indrid Cold. This is a really fun topic. I like this one. Another one of those good old West Virginia UFO slash alien slash WTF encounters. Yeah, especially WTF. This one's kind of creepy. And some of these uh, accounts that you hear about um, Indrid Cold, it's 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 creepy as hell. I, my imagination gets uh, you know away from you sometimes, and like just imagine if you're like. I could say, for instance, you know, on a dark, a dark road somewhere and you got, uh, you know, uh, approached by a smiling man like this, you know, like, what the hell? <laughs> like anybody, yeah. if anybody was just to walk up to me, like, just like smiling as hard as, as some of these <laughs> stories uh, tell, <laughs> like, it's just like, what the hell's wrong with you, dude? <laughs> like, <laughs> that would creep me out alone. Just that alone. You there's know? actually, there's a, uh, I think it's Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode with smiling men and they they float around and like steal <laughs> your voices. I swear to God, in the really? 90s, I was so creeped out. They just have these <laughs> huge grins on their faces and they never change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Before we get Creepy. into it, let's first, let's say hi to our live audience. It was, you know, a little on the small side this week, but we got... Don Cervix, the Wharf and Cringe Lord, live here on Reddit. If you weren't aware before, we do our live shows on Reddit every week. Discord. Uh, Discord. That's right. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I was kind of confused there too. I was like, huh? Yeah, maybe I'll edit <laughs> wait, that wait out, you know, because, you know, whatever. Maybe I'll leave it in because it's funny. Anyways, on Discord, yeah, yeah, just live on Discord every week. We do our show live on Discord, usually Friday nights, but we may have a schedule change coming up here pretty soon. We'll see. Yes. Because I got a new job. No, because ETA is changing shifts. Oh, 
And I got a new job. And she, yeah, and each, it and Ether, all works yeah. out. Yeah, so we will keep you guys updated, and um, we we may eventually do something else like Twitch or YouTube live once we get video going. I, I do want to do like a video show at some point because you know, hey, I got a face made for radio, but we've had requests to do a live video show, so you know, hey, that your guys is loss, you know, whatever. But mm-hmm. yeah, I ain't so bad looking <laughs> myself. <laughs> I look all right if I put a mask on, but no, um, <laughs> before we get started on that, Agent Ether requested that I tell a story that I told last time. But we were on but, mute. Yeah. So here's what happened. <laughs> we were, we were waiting for the show to start. We were waiting for something. I forget what we were waiting for. Agents. Yeah. We're agents to show up. Yeah. Probably ETA. And we had, so I had a little bit of time to kill a couple of minutes. So I told the story of the theme song that we use. And it turns out that actually, for whatever reason, I you could there's some problem with the drivers on my computer, so the live audience couldn't hear me anyways. <laughs> <laughs> we were just yeah. ch- chatting and yammering. Yeah, yeah. And so nobody could hear us. Nobody heard. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but anyways, the the story of the the theme song that we use it's a it's a song called "The Surfer from Mars" that I actually wrote and performed myself for a video game that never got published. So there was an amateur video game programmer that I kind of hooked up with online who wanted to make um, sort of like a fan version of a game called Partis. Partis is this browser game that's, um, how would you describe it, Agent Ether? Fun. Okay. (laughs) No, it's not very helpful. It's sort of like um, a top-down game. It doesn't refresh. Every time you click, the game refreshes. So it's like this really old-school feel to it. And it's like a space combat type it game. Was, it was pretty cool about 10 years ago. I think it's yeah. probably lost its appeal by now because of how much computers and the gaming environment have changed by now. Yeah, but on the other hand, it's still a fun game. And I, I haven't played it in years and years. I don't even know if my count is still there. But um, it, it has definitely this sort of, I don't know, this uh, low-budget appeal. You know, there's a lot of these games that people have just programmed in their garage, essentially, and they are really fun games, even though they don't have the budget to do like high graphics and stuff. But anyways, one of the fans of that game wanted to make sort of like a side scroller shooter game or something. And I think he was too ambitious and it ended up being a lot harder to make a game than he thought. So I did a couple of sound effects for him and I made this music cue. He wanted something spacey and that was his only his only thing. I was like, OK, what does that mean? Spacey? Because that could mean two different things to different people. So (laughs) I thought, I always thought, you know, surf guitar was a good match for like a space theme and for like a a shooter, like a spaceship going through like a side scrolling shooter. It's got like a nice beat to it. I think it'd be a really good match for a space game. So uh, I told him, I pitched him the idea of doing a, a surf guitar song. And he's like, yeah, this sounds good. Let's do it. So I made about a one minute loop of a, you know, just a simple, you know, simple, uh, surf guitar song. And it was actually a lot of fun to write that because I wasn't super familiar with the genre. So I had to do a lot of listening and sort of research to sort of figure out how to write a surf guitar piece. And um, I then I wrote a one minute loop and the game never went anywhere after that. <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty much dead in the water. So I had this this piece of music. I was like, I don't know what to do with it, whatever. So at one point I made a visualization for it on YouTube and you could see that if you ever want to, if you're ever bored and you want to look that up, uh, maybe I'll post it in the yeah, Discord. Stick I don't a know. Link, yeah, stick a link uh, in, in for this episode too. Yeah. So people can click on it and check it out because it's a pretty cool visualization. You go on and 
uh, graphically, you can see what's going on. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun. But I'm not a visual artist at all, and I don't know what I'm doing with video editing. So the the video is maybe a little rough around the edges, but it was still a lot of fun to make. But um, the the key the the piece itself is in the key of B minor, and the reason for that is because we went one time to a place in um, Covina called the Fred House. It's a guitar store. But in the basement, they have performances a couple times, you know, a month or a week, depending on whatever, uh, however they can schedule. And they got some pretty, some pretty big names were there. It's, you know, when we used to live there in Southern California, they get some pretty big names there. And uh, one time we went to see Andrew York, who's like a modern composer. And probably the more famous thing he's associated with would be the LA guitar quartet. They do like, you know, classical guitar music, but, um, I really like his compositions. So we went to see him and he played this piece that was in the key of B minor. And he made some sort of offhand joke about there not being enough guitar pieces in the key of B minor. So when I wrote this piece, I said, you know what? We need to remedy this situation. A lot of surf guitar is in a minor key. So I just said, okay, let's do it in B minor. Why the hell not? You know, you got to choose something. <laughs> and that's pretty much the story behind the, uh, the surf guitar piece that is, uh, is the theme song. I just think it's a really fun song to have at the beginning, and now we can associate it with the show. Yeah, it was really fun. I wanted to do something with like maybe theremins or something, maybe like a 50s sci-fi kind of a theme, but it takes, uh, it's kind of a significant amount of work to write and perform that stuff, so I just haven't had time to get around to it. And then at some point, Ether's like, well, I'll just use this other thing that you already have lying around that you're not doing it with. And I said, all right, sure, let's do it. Why not? It's It's a good, uh, it's fun, good fun guitar piece, so... There it is. There it is. That's the story behind the theme song. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that everyone missed last time. Yeah, that I missed because it was on mute, so I retold it again. <laughs> All right, let's get to the show. Okay, so this week we're doing The Smiling Man or Indrid Cold. This one was requested on Discord by Degenitron, which is such a fun username. I love that, Degenitron. So thanks for the suggestions. And we, so anybody listening, we always appreciate suggested topics because we have, I mean, I have a list of stuff a mile long that we need to do, but if somebody requests a specific topic, then I will put that, I'll prioritize that because if somebody specifically wants to hear it, then why not do it? Right. I mean, that's, we're doing this for you guys anyway. So if you guys want to hear something, let us know, and we will definitely put that on the list. And, um, I try to balance the list of topics. I try to mix it up a little bit. So I don't, I don't want to do too many cryptids or UFOs or whatever in a row. I try to mix it up as much as I can. So if you request something and we just did a topic similar to that, it may be a month or two until we get to it. And if we have a lot of requests, it may be longer than that. But um, if I tell you that it's on the list, then it's on the list and we're going to get to it sooner or later. Um, yeah. 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 And if I mean, I'm, we would rather cover topics that people want to hear as opposed to, you know, what we want to talk about. Yeah. You know? I mean, that, like you said, that's the reason why we're doing this anyways. Also not, you know, it's part of having fun doing this as well. Yeah. Is you know, get more, you get more interaction with the listeners as well when they, when they're hearing something that they want to hear, you know? Yeah. And there, there are topics that haven't been requested by listeners that I really want to do. Like, for example, um, I think next week I want to do uh, just talking about, just sort of like a power hour casual format talking about is there life out there in the universe? And then we can talk about mm -hmm. stuff like mm -hmm. the Drake equation or the Fermi paradox. We can talk about, you know, the great strides we've made with 
uh, observing and identifying exoplanets and that, you know, whatever. Or we talk about the fossils on Mars or whatever, you know, the, the bacteria that they suspect is in the clouds of Venus or whatever. There's so many topics we could do that we're going to have to be careful not to spend too much time on any one of them. But I thought that'd be like a really fun show to do. And nobody requested that. So, um, you know, whoever requested stuff is getting bumped a week because I really want to do that topic. <laughs> but other than that, we generally prioritize requests. All right. Let's yeah. go. Let's go. Let's go. So in general, this is like a guy that smiles. <laughs> Indrid Cold or, or the smiling man. Um, short episode this week. He's just a guy that, okay, so he walks up to people or people walk up and he's standing there and then he smiles and then people get creeped out and they leave and that's it, right? End of story? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Oh, hey, that, that's the end. Hey, thanks guys for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> but he's often seen along with UFO sightings in the area. And in one specific case, he was seen getting out of a UFO. And we'll talk about that definitely in just a moment. So a lot of people sort of connect this with like the men in black. And there's sort of some yeah. connection there, but I couldn't really find a specific connection and there. So the men in black is a thing that apparently it like, I've looked into it briefly before and there does seem to be some evidence that people were sort of harassed by these, these characters that would come in pairs of two wearing these suits. And it could be just, you know, military people telling them to not, you know, Hey, don't talk about your UFO sightings or whatever. I don't know that yeah. much about it, but I definitely want to do an episode on it in the future. But oh, yeah. was this phrase before the movie? Was the movie inspired by this phrase? The movie, the movie was. I think the movie was inspired by it. The movie was based on a comic book that was inspired by mm. it, the Men in Black. Is yeah, it's an old thing. It's not a new thing. Okay. So the when I say that there are witnesses who who have had these encounters, that's that's for real. There do seem to be witnesses who are legitimate witnesses who did have these experiences where they would report a UFO sighting and then they would be visited by two people or sometimes just one person who would general I'm, I'm generalizing here but they would say knock it off don't talk about this or we will you know do something to you or Eat something your you children know? It, it varies based on the story <laughs> yeah <laughs> children yeah um and there's there's a lot of these stories let's not get into it because um it's a whole other episode but I was not able to find a specific connection between Indrid Cold and the Men in Black, but I mean, maybe there's one that I missed, or maybe it's just people think that he's related somehow because of reasons. He, he is a man in I mean, black. It, well, no, he was a man in green or blue sparkly suits. With yeah. slicked back hair. <laughs> it's the slicked or, back hair. Or no hair at or all. Or no hair at all, that's true. Depending on the, what you're talking about. The guy about. wasn't even wearing sunglasses. I mean, yeah. how are you supposed to like reset somebody's memory? You know what I mean? I know there's no neuralizers there, but yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're talking about stuff that generally speaking in 1966 and 1966 was just absolutely bananas for UFO sightings. You go yeah. look at newspapers, you go look at the blue book files. It was just all over the place all the time. It seems like pretty much every day there was a major sighting. There was, it was a crazy yeah, it was a hot, hot bed of activity. Yeah, really, really hot. And we've done a couple of episodes from that uh, took place in 1966, such as the very first episode of the show, which was the Swamp Gas Sightings, which is a really fun one. Maybe we'll revisit it at some point so the other agents can sort of, you know, give their opinion on it. I don't know. But that's one of my favorite cases. I love that case. 
And the Portage County, uh, Portage County case, and it was in April of 66. And that's the one where the cops were chasing this object. And I think it was, that one was just me and ETA, I believe. But that would, that case was, um, was the inspiration for some of the events in the movie, uh, close encounters of the third kind, and also a really fascinating case. So there's a couple of highlights for you, but what we're talking about, the first sighting of Indrid cold was more or less on October 11th, 1966. And what happened here was that a UFO, first a UFO was seen near a DuPont explosives factory near Pompton Lakes, about 40 miles north of Elizabeth, New Jersey, by a police officer and his wife. Now, this may or may not be connected to the Indrid cold sighting that follows, but I'm just mentioning it because some people think that it is because it was on the same, around the same time. So people think that this may be the UFO that the grinning man arrived in. So the witnesses saw a blazing white light as big as a car that nearly hit a 600 foot tall TV tower and then vanished over nearby hills. On the other side of the hills, officers Edward Wester and Benjamin Thompson of the Wanakee Reservoir Police saw the object and it flew over the reservoir at a slow speed and a low altitude. Sergeant Thompson said, The light was brilliantly white. It lit up the whole area for about 300 yards. In fact, it blinded me when I got out of the patrol car to look at it, and I couldn't see for about 20 minutes afterwards. And that's these are like my favorite kind of sightings where you have multiple independent witnesses. You have somebody reporting it on one side of the hills, and then you have other people on the other side that may or may not, you know, they, they don't even know the people and they're in a different physical location and they're basically reporting the same thing at the same time. So, you know, you could say that somehow maybe these are two different glowing orbs because they didn't have continuous visual sighting of it. But on the other hand, it looks like they saw the same thing from two different vantage points. And that's, you know, I, I haven't heard of this particular case before looking into Indrid Cold and I kind of want to find out more about it, but I just didn't have time to research this specific case, but that happened at the same time as the first sighting in Elizabeth, New Jersey at about 9.45 p.m. Two boys named Martin and Jimmy were walking home on a road adjacent to the New Jersey Turnpike. And I guess a turnpike, uh, that's like a freeway, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, basically a freeway. So it's it's elevated above them about 30 feet. So just picture that, you know, at nighttime, they're walking alongside the freeway, but it's elevated. I think that's pretty common. Like you've seen that in a lot of places, wherever you live, they probably have an elevated freeway. So the side of the freeway hill was steep and there was a tall wire fence at the bottom of the hill that ran along the road that the two boys were on. And it was dark. Only some areas of the road were lit by streetlights. Jimmy saw someone standing in the brush on the other side of the fence at the bottom of the hill And it was behind his friend, so I guess they were walking side by side, and it was on the other side of his friend. The man was ignoring the boys and staring at a house across the street. He told his friend Martin to turn around and look at the man, because he was startled. The man was big and wore a metallic green one-piece suit or coveralls. Martin later told the police, Jimmy nudged me and said, Who's that guy standing behind you? I looked around, and there he was, behind the fence just standing there. He pivoted around and looked right at us. Then he grinned a big old grin. They later gave a full description 
saying that the man was over six feet tall and was dressed in a sparkling green coverall costume that shimmered and seemed to reflect the street lights. There was a wide black belt around his waist, and he had a very dark complexion, little round eyes that were really beady and set far apart, and that they didn't see any hair, eyes, or nose. So I like that description, like beady eyes. That's very specific and yeah. sort of well, makes, and the, all, makes me think also it's... Also the fact that they were set far apart, too. Yeah. Like so, that's that's, that's kind of creepy in itself, like just that depiction, you know? Yeah, beady eyes to me implies like sort of something sort of non-human, you know? Yeah. Like beady eyes makes me think of something from a movie, not like an actual person that I've met. Now I might yeah, or t- like a, a cartoon or something. I might tell somebody that they have beady eyes if I'm messing with them, but I've never met anybody that actually seemed like they had beady eyes, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he had no hair and no eyes or nose or ears or it it just, you know, it sounds like Voldemort. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, actually it does. Yeah. Yeah. This wasn't an alien. It was just Voldemort going on his nightly walk, you know, not a big deal because Here's the thing. If you're not a wizard, you're probably safe from Voldemort-ish. Safe-ish. I mean, he's probably not going to kill you specifically. He has no reason to. He kills muggles. Yeah, but not. he doesn't specifically target them. It's more collateral, if I remember. Yeah, that's true. Or if there's a muggle, like a police officer that's trying to catch him, he might kill them. But if you're just a couple boys walking down the street, he'd probably just ignore you. May I ask, what what is a muggle? Oh, a muggle is a non-wizard. Oh, 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 really? So the... They're, they're shitting on people then. Yeah, they have. Yeah, the wizarding <laughs> world does have derogatory terms for non-wizards, and that would be muggles. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to be a muggle. That doesn't sound enjoyable at all. I know. I, who wants to be I a... I know I am a muggle. Who wants to be a stupid muggle? <laughs> well, I don't know. You might be a wizard. You just haven't gotten your wand yet. <laughs> you have to... Oh. You have to... Uh, have, have you found your magic wand, Asian ETA? <laughs> I, I think I have. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you might be a wizard. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was a magic wand. <laughs> there, there is a woman or two that said it was magic, I thought. like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Now everybody listening to this will never read those stories the same. You know, the next time you're reading Harry Potter. <laughs> What's Hermione doing with uh, Harry's wand? <laughs> She shouldn't be playing uh, with that. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyways, <laughs> the boys, uh, they saw this guy and then they ran as fast as they could to get away from him. Some stories or some versions of this tale say that the man actually chased him. But when you look at the boy's statements, I never saw that in the boy's statements. I think that was sort of implied some, like some newspaper articles sort of inferred that the guy chased him, but I, I never found the boys actually said that. They just sort of ran away in a state of panic to get away from the man. And they I don't think he actually chased him. He was on the other side of the fence. And I get the impression it was a fairly tall fence. So I think that they just ran from him in a panic and it was dark out and they don't know whether or not he followed them. So they were later on, so they, they went home and they told their parents and you know that they reported it to the police or whatever. And they were later interviewed separately by investigators and their stories matched, which is sort of an interesting detail because if they were making it up, then there would be details of the story that didn't, that would not line up. So that tells me that whatever they saw, they believe they had a genuine experience. Now, what that was, 
Was it Voldemort? Was it an alien? Was it some <laughs> weirdo who just put on a, a Halloween costume and just hung out on the side of the road? Or maybe it was like an extra from a movie that was being filmed nearby or who knows any, but it, you know, that doesn't necessarily tell you what this guy was, but it tells you that these boys had a genuine experience at the very least. Maybe. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's possible that they corroborated and they got their details straight. That's always possible that they could have fabricated it. I'm definitely not ruling that out. I'm just do saying. Know, do it's, you know how old they were? It's, I'm just saying it's interesting. Um, You know, I did find their ages, but I don't think I put that on my notes, unfortunately. I almost feel like the younger they are, the more I believe them. Because yeah. it's really hard for younger kids to get their stories straight, you know, whereas if if they're older, like if they're teenagers. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hope they weren't too young because right. two boys walking home alone in, at, at night in, you know, New Jersey. Do they got like stuff like the Jersey Devil there and stuff? Like <laughs> at that, mm-hmm. that, you don't want to mess around with that, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Back in the olden days when kids even went outside. One of the people who interviewed the boys was a TV star named Chuck McCann, who was apparently a paranormal, a paranormal enthusiast. And he would go and check stuff out. He would investigate stuff, I suppose, which is sort of a strange twist to the case. But the reason I mention this is because Chuck McCann was six foot two and he was, um, you go look up pictures of him, but he's, you know, he looks like a fairly large dude, fairly broad shouldered and that kind of stuff. He's not a little dude. The boys said that the man they saw was much taller and wider than McCann. And you might interpret that as the boys being in a state of panic or if they're startled or scared maybe in their heads the man was larger than he you know they they interpreted him as being larger than he really was or if they're saying at face value that he was actually bigger than McCann how much bigger was he like six six seven feet tall was how much wider we're talking about like a Hagrid type figure here or you know who knows it's it we don't know for sure because the boys are, you know, they're much shorter than six foot tall or six foot two. And when I think when there's a great height disparity in either direction, like if anybody's more than a foot taller or shorter than you, I think it becomes so somewhat difficult to estimate their heights, especially when they're taller than you. But it's still sort of an interesting detail. Investigators later went to the scene and determined based on the terrain that they thought it was very unlikely that it was like a stranded motorist that had come to the bottom of the hill because the hill was so the incline of the hill was so steep they found it unlikely they would come down there for help they thought it more likely they would just stay at the top on the freeway and look for help up there and if they had actually if it was a motorist who had come down they would ask for help rather than just sort of standing there and grinning at children you know one would hope <laughs> they would be like oh excuse me could you help us we're stranded our car broke down you know but eh, who knows? Maybe it was somebody who was like incredibly drunk or high or something. And then they saw the boys and they're just, they're so happy to see somebody. And then they couldn't get a word out, you know? <laughs> maybe they're, yeah, he, yeah it kind of sounds like it could have been LSD or something. Like maybe they're, 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 they're like the guy's face was just stuck on stupid. It know? was like, the 60s. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, yeah so. It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's just, it's just creepy. Like I said before. Like if so, if somebody is gonna like give you that wide of a smile and like keep it and hold it and like continue to stare at you, that's creepy, man. It's it's like, not like normal, the Joker. <laughs> you know. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. And actually, that that kind of the, some of the depictions that I saw online because there's there's actually like uh 
like artists that have like um, drawn this character from descriptions of, of uh, you know, uh, the sightings and stuff. And that's kind of the impression that I got was like, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it kind of, the guy kind of looks like a Joker, like, like, like from the, from Batman, you know? Yeah. Like a the, little the, bit. The typical stereotypical Joker figure. A little bit. It kind of reminds you of that, you know, but it's still super damn creepy, man. Like, uh, you'd be like, I might have to kill this guy. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe I should just keep on going. <laughs> you know, why, why are you smiling at me, buddy? And you just look and go, friend <laughs> friend <laughs> yeah, yeah. Friend. Right. since since you brought it up i feel like we have to say it without explanation because i don't want to get too much of a tangent but who is your favorite joker all right three two one agent ether go what <laughs> your favorite joker i don't know i don't watch the batman movies oh and movies tv shows or whatever ETA, mark uh, hamill i have no idea mark hamill okay yeah that's okay fair enough that's mark hamill that's my that's my joker? that's my favorite yeah and the, and the the batman cartoons like in the 90s i did yeah. like the cartoon those were pretty dark actually for for a kid's cartoon some kind of the of. episodes yeah well the well, they follow the Batman series like pretty closely. I mean, I think that cartoon like the, was pretty well like done as far as book. like. It's actually yeah, surprising yeah. just how many voice acting credits Mark Hamill has. And uh, he's he's a really talented voice actor. And th- I'm sure he there's really a story is. behind why he didn't want to go into more acting and did voice acting. But uh, just for example, well, one of my favorite video games ever called Full Throttle. He's a voice actor on that game. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wasn't he in, uh, you remember that one? Uh, what was it? He was in uh, Wing Commander. Yes, he was. I yeah, think it was like Wing Commander three or something like that. Yeah, one of those. I remember playing that game and like being like, it was it was cool. It was really cool. All right, so my favorite Joker is uh, Jack Nicholson. Got to go with a good old classic. Yes. So that's that's my choice. But anyways, oh, hell yeah. Let's not get too far into our tangents there. I could, I could talk, you know, that stuff all night. You know, debate about what the uh-huh. best Batman movie is. You know, it's obviously the Tim Burton's Batman. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it just depends like what style you like. Like my if I had to choose a second place, it would be Cesar Romero for the old TV show. I guess I like the more um I don't know, colorful and zany style of of Batman versions. I I, I don't like the dark I think my and, favorite Batman. I don't like the is dark Adam and West. Moody. Yeah, I don't like the dark and moody one as much as I like the the comic booky kind of, you know, bright colors and all yeah. that stuff. It just it's personal taste. I guess there's no wrong or right answer. But yeah, all right. Let's let's get back to the show <laughs> a little bit, a little bit of a yeah, un- again. Un- we'll get back again. <laughs> unexpected Batman tangent there. A little bit of editing gonna yeah. go on later. I may or may not cut some of that. We'll see. Oh. <laughs> Poor Agent Anderson. So much ah, editing. You know, so actually, time. Believe it or not, it's um, I really do enjoy editing. It's a strange thing. It's probably tedious to a lot of people, but I actually really enjoy the work. It's just a matter of like, you know, sometimes I don't really have that much time to do it. So I have to cut some corners because it's like, it takes a lot of time sometimes. But anyways, let's get back to the show. Let's go. So on November 2nd, 1966 was another sighting. And this one coincided with the Mothman events. And um, oh, what was the author of the Mothman prophecies? Oh, I should have written them. I should have wrote it down. Hold on. I do have the Google John Keel, that's his name. I can't believe I forgot that. John Keel. All right. <laughs> Sorry. I can't believe I didn't put that in my notes either. So anyways, uh, John Keel was one of the head people that went and investigated this, uh, the the um, Indrid Cold case. But he also is the person who investigated and wrote a lot about the Mothman. 
So anyways, long story short that I'll probably edit out, on November 2nd in 1966 was another sighting that coincided with the Mothman events that we did a previous episode on. And if you're curious about um, cryptids with fantastic glutes, then go ahead and check oh, that one out. Nice ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mothman was built in all the right places. <laughs> they even have a statue. So, <laughs> in a, yeah, you know what, dude? That's, that's how you know this cryptid was, had it going on. Had it going on because they don't make a statue out of just anybody. You know what I mean? No. No, why would you? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What, what is going on <laughs> what over the there? Hell, what the hell is that, dude? I, I think our our dog got into the liquor. What the hell? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> he's, he's running. Look what he did to my mic. I don't even know. Does he? Does he got the zoomies? He does. Oh boy, does he? Does <laughs> that look okay? Uh, no, you're. It's not. It's pointed at your ear. All right. Where were we? My I, goodness. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. All right. Well, anyways, let's get back to the the uh, what November second. What was the episode? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Jeez, this is a. Uh, yeah, wow. All right. <laughs> a lot of diversions wow. on this one. So on November 2nd, 1966, we had another sighting that coincided with the Mothman events. This happened in Parkersburg, West Virginia. And this, this uh, injured cold is generally associated with the West Virginia stuff, even though the first sighting was actually not in West Virginia. But it's still uh, sort of, it's in, the, it's in the ballpark. It's in the area, you know? Yeah, it's not far away at all. Yeah. So a fella named Woodrow Derenberger was driving on Interstate 77, and he heard a noise, and he saw the, a UFO following the car behind him. That car passed his truck, and as it, as it did, he saw a long, dark object following it. The object cut in front of his car. So the, the car following behind him passed his car and cut in front of him, and the UFO was also following, you know, making time with that car and also followed that car and cut in front of him. It was a charcoal gray object and it looked like an old fashioned kerosene lamp chimney or globe. And that's like if you can picture like a, like a lamp, the glass thing that goes over the flame, that's what they're talking about. It's got, you know, it's got like that kind of bulb shape at the bottom and then it gets smaller towards the top. I used to have one of those, but it was electric. But it still had like that stylized it did. look. It had that style. I thought okay. it was really cool. So yeah, so it was uh, it was flared at both ends and it narrowed down to a small neck and then enlarged in a great bulge in the center. It had a flat bottom and a dome-shaped top. <laughs> the object <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got a great bulge in the center. <laughs> I thought I, I was I was waiting for you to say something when you when you said long <laughs> long dark I, long I, you know, held, I held long back dark, as long as I could, man. <laughs> long I'm dark, sorry. It's long dark object. I was reading long dark object. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> but anyways, Agent Ether has given me the scissors. scissors. I gave him the scissors. Give no. me the scissors. No. Leave it in. So, um, a great bulge in the center. It had a flat bottom and dome-shaped top. Oh, yeah. Anyways, so the object didn't have any lights, and it hovered 10 inches above the ground. It stopped following the object and it stopped following the car in front and came to a stop and blocked the entire road. And um, uh, Woodrow tried to kind of swerve around it, but he had to slam on his brakes to stop because it blocked everything. He couldn't get around it. It, it made him, it, it forced his truck to stop. The side of the UFO opened and a man got out and then the door behind him closed. 
he walked over to the passenger side of the truck that was on the shoulder, you know, because he stopped kind of on the shoulder of the road. And um, it, so he walked over to this, the passenger side of the truck and telepathically asked the- He asked, uh, do you know why I pulled you over, son? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. At, at first, at first he didn't know it was telepathically until, until he noticed the guy's mouth wasn't moving. Right. Yeah. Right. And he asked him to roll down the window. And at this time, this is when somewhere around here, I don't know exactly, but the door of the UFO closed as he was walking over and the UFO shot straight up into the air and hovered about hundred and feet, hundred feet up in the air. He could hear when this, while this was going on, Woodrow could hear a, uh, a low fluttering sound from the UFO. And he described it similar to how a helicopter might sound idling on the ground. He said it wasn't exactly like that, but that was the closest thing he could think of. So the the man that came up to the side of his car was grinning and had a dark tan. He described him as being approximately six feet tall, 35 to 40 years old, 185 pounds. He was wearing a shiny blue suit that was sort of metallic looking. And when he, when he told Woodrow his, or when he walked up, uh, after he walked up, asked him to roll down the window, he telepathically told Woodrow that his name was Indrid Cold. Now, if you listen to interviews, this is an interesting point that actually Agent Ether brought up earlier, that um, if you listen to the interview, you can actually go listen to an interview of Woodrow. You can find that online. You can find it on YouTube and it's closed captioned so that it makes it easier to understand. Because if you go online and you just listen to the video, it can be hard to interpret. Yeah, yeah. the re- recording is, it's not that clear. It's very, it's, um, there's a lot of noise in the recording, yeah. so it's hard to hear it. But in the, rec- in the recording of the interview, he says that he told him his name was Cold, just Cold. But um, and a lot of a lot of sources will cite it as Indrid Cold, and that's true. Like I, she mentioned that I was like, well, actually, I don't know where the Indrid comes from. Actually, I looked and I looked. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it comes from the book that he wrote, which I'll get to in a minute. So if you know, send us an email, and we will update it next yeah. episode. Yeah, let us know. Do our research for us. Yeah, <laughs> we're slacking. <laughs> So Indrid said that he was there to learn more about the human race and he would return. He was from the planet Lanulos in the Ganymedes galaxy. And he told him, have no fear. We come from a country that is not nearly as powerful as yours. We mean you no harm. Which if you're thinking about it, you're like, come on, dude, you got a spaceship. I'm looking at it. It's right there hovering above my truck. And you're telling me that you don't have as much power as us. Come on, dude. We got like piston-driven airplanes still running around at this point. I mean, they had jets in the 60s mm-hmm. too. But my point is, is that um, I don't think this guy, you can believe him what he says at face value. I think he might have been telling a little bit of fibs here. You know, in this case, he was probably fibbing because, you know, who wouldn't be freaking out at this point? But Mr. Woodrow was probably crapping his pants. So he said, don't worry about it. We We are far weaker than you. We don't have... Your jets and your P-51 Mustangs. Don't worry about it, bro. We mean you no harm. Clearly lying. Clearly the guy was full of crap. But on the other hand, he was just trying to pacify him. But is that a good thing? I, this, is the, this is kind of like the, the thought loops I go in when I read about this stuff. Is like, why would he say that? Okay, he wants to pacify you. But is that a good thing? Is that a peaceful thing? Or is he just trying to lull us into like a false sense of security so that they can get us later on. You know what I mean? Like, you never know. 
It could be like mm. Mars attacks could be waiting to happen in like five minutes from now. And they just want us to be Mars attacks. <laughs> knock, 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 knock. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that movie, dude. <laughs> that's, that's gotta be my favorite alien themed movie in general. Yeah. It's at the top, at the top for sure. Second place, I think is as cheesy as a movie as it is. Independence day is just so much fun. So much fun. It is. It's super cheese, but like it's, yeah, like you said, it's fun though. Like, yeah. like you know, especially, especially when like you have the payoff, like when, um, oh, what is that? I'm back. What is that? What is that guy? Uh, yeah, Randy, the actor, the, the Randy Quaid. Mother, Randy Quaid. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Not Dennis Quaid. Randy Quaid. Yeah. Randy Quaid. The, <laughs> I mean, the, the, you know, famed, uh, hey, the, the shit is full. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, <laughs> whatever the line was. Yeah, but or, that 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 guy seems like yeah, he seems like uh, just as crazy in real life as uh, any character he ever depicted. Or like I love you it, know? like in Independence Day, <laughs> how they they hack the alien ship using like Windows software. Like it's just it's oh, so yeah. so stupid, <laughs> but, but it's just so much. So fun. wait a minute, you use Windows ninety eight? Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no, it was, no, it was, no. I don't, no, th- that this movie. I think this movie came out in ninety six, if I remember correctly. So it wasn't even ninety. Oh, did it? So I think it oh, was so ninety five. Ninety five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so let's get back to Indrid Cold. <laughs> there. So their conversation lasted about five or ten minutes, and it was all completely telepathic. Indrid's creepy ear-to-ear grin never moved or changed the entire time, and as they were speaking, several cars passed. None of the cars seemed to slow down or notice the UFO above overhead, and that kind of makes sense if it was nighttime and the UFO didn't have any lights on it. It'd be real easy to miss. And also, if there was somebody pulled over the side of the road and somebody was at the passenger side window talking to them, you probably wouldn't think twice about that. So... Um, you know, I could see how if Woodrow was having this very strange experience, he might think it was strange that nobody slowed down to look, but to a passerby driving by, I could see how that wouldn't seem at all unusual. They wouldn't even, they probably wouldn't even remember it when they got home. At -hmm. the end of the conversation, Endred said, we will see you again. And then left. After the conversation was over, the UFO came back down, the door opened up and Endred got back in. And I guess Woodrow said that he saw like an, like somebody's arm inside the UFO. So there was like another person in there or maybe another Mm -hmm. grinning man. And it appeared that they were wearing the same suit or the same color suit that Andrew was wearing. So I don't know what to make of that. Maybe uh, there was multiple people in the ship. I guess if the ship's going up and down, somebody had to be piloting it. I don't know. The whole conversation was very interesting to me though. And, and he kept saying we, right. Yeah, not I, yeah. but right, we, but we, which yeah. is kind of an interesting detail. Are, is it like the Borg? Are they, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or is it sort of, sort of like? Does he mean like was he like royal, like the royal we? You know, was he the <laughs> the king of his species, or did he was he speaking on behalf of? I don't. know. There's so many ways to interpret that. Yeah. So I don't know if it means anything or not, but just a, a tiny little de- details that. Um, Woodrow was a salesman and a father of two. I don't know if that, you know, maybe he was making the whole thing up to sell cars or what, what kind of salesman was he? I didn't even know. Sewing machines. Yeah. Sewing machines. Okay. Okay. So maybe he did this whole thing to just sort of 
you know, drum up business. Who knows? I just thought it was interesting. You could raise a family selling sewing machines in the 60s. Well, that right was in the, right. Isn't that crazy? But like yeah. nowadays, like you're working at, you know, Starbucks, and you're like lucky well, to have adver- a room advertising somewhere. wasn't the same thing back then as it is nowadays either. It's yeah, not, it yeah. wasn't as easy to reach people it's back true. then, right? It's true. Yeah, you, know, you didn't. Yeah, you didn't have the internet. You didn't have as much TV or anything like that. You know, um, so yeah, I mean, th- there was still a strong culture of salesmen going door to door. All right. Well, anyways. Holy crap. Let's get back to the show. <laughs> yeah. Agent, Agent Ether's giving me the scissors again. I might, yeah, I definitely might cut some of no. that diversion. No. <laughs> All right. Where in the heck was I? Oh, yeah. Okay. So the next day, <laughs> uh, Darren Berger, um, Woodrow there, had he um, had, was, I think it was the next day, whatever. Anyways, he had a news conference or press conference to talk about his encounter. And the Air Force sent a man to the conference and this is sort of interesting because the Air Force would always play this game like, ah, oh, we don't care about that stuff. But yeah, we're still going to kind of send somebody there to check it out. You know what I mean? Um, so the the conference went and he, that, it hit kind of like the the public and it went sort of like national at that point. And that's why kind of why we know about this. Otherwise, it would be like a little local story or local lore that we probably would never have heard of. And a little while later, um, I didn't I didn't check out the dates, but a little time after that, Supposedly, Darren Berger met two more grinning men named Demo Hassan and Carl Ardo. His wife met them as well, and she felt that they were up to something evil. Uh, this encounter was probably made up to sell a book <laughs> that, <laughs> that uh, Darren Berger co-authored with Harold W. Hubbard. That's my theory. And I, because I saw that he wrote the book and that there was no like original statement about these other two grinning men, I didn't bother to look into it that much. Because I'm like, dude, this totally sounds made up to sell a book, but ah, maybe I'm not giving them a fair shake. But it was, I was running late and I was like, ah, I don't really have time to look into that anyway. So, you know, whatever, what are you going to do? You know, but I don't know, mm-hmm. man, some, sometimes you read about this stuff and you're just like, you know, your, your, uh, your spidey sense starts tingling. You're like, this doesn't sound genuine mm-hmm. to me, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, I just, two more, I just so happened to two more. I met two more of them and, you know, they had these completely strange names. <laughs> you know, I, here's how I think it happened. So you had the first encounter and the guy was like, dude, these kids ran away screaming. Like they were terrified. What? Cause do you think it was a smile? And the, then, you know, his, his alien buddy's like, nah, these are things like smile. We put a lot of time and effort into researching that. And our Intel team insists that smiles are friendly to them. It can't be the smile. All right. Well, uh, maybe it was the color of the suit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's change it to blue. All right, it must have been the suit. They were afraid of green, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, may, maybe it was the height, too. Make him a little shorter. Maybe he's too tall. You know, <laughs> like, I don't know. But yeah, it can't be the smile. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so there was actually a third sighting in Point Pleasant, home of the Mothman. Hmm. Oh, yeah. This one is a little different. This involves the Lily family. They had a bunch of strange events going on around the time of the second sighting. They saw UFOs and had like poltergeist activity at their house. They saw strange lights in the sky every single night. And I couldn't find anything more specific than that. Like two nights a week. I don't know. But they said, according to the accounts that they saw strange lights in the sky every single night, a statement from Mrs. Lily said, 
we've seen all kinds of strange things. Blue lights, green ones, red ones, things that change color. Some have been so low that we thought we could see diamond-shaped windows in them, and none of them make any noise at all. But where we get to the grinning man is that one night the daughter, Linda, awoke and saw him standing over her, and here is what she had to say. It was a man, a big man, very broad. I couldn't see his face very well, but I could see that he was grinning at me. He walked around the bed and stood right over me. I screamed and hid under the covers. When I looked again, he was gone. (laughs) So I guess they're like, okay, it wasn't the color of the suit. Maybe we need to go up to them when they're asleep and (laughs) pick one of the little ones. Maybe the, you know, (laughs) or I don't know, whatever. (laughs) But there, there have been a lot of other sightings of the grinning man over the years. For example, in December of 1978 in Torag Tora, damn it! One of these foreign names that we're, we're excellent at pronouncing. Torriglia, Torrig, yeah, Torriglia, Torriglia, Italy, a small village in Italy. A night watchman named Pierre Zanfreda was on patrol when he was abducted by three large reptilian aliens that apparently had yellow eyes. But later on, on December third, nineteen seventy-nine, about a year later, he was at a gas station in Genoa. A man called out to him from the shadows. It was a tall man, and he had a bald, egg-shaped head, and he was dressed in a checkered suit that had a chest plate made of steel. The man had a huge ear-to-ear grin. That's pretty much the sighting. The man psychically told Zanfreda to drive his car into a cloud that was suspiciously hanging out close to them. Zanfreda felt compelled to do so and felt as if he could not resist. His car was levitated and taken aboard a spaceship. The ship had reptilians aboard. (laughs) (laughs) There were also cylinders filled with blue liquid, one of which had a strange frog-shaped creature that was presumably dead. And that's that's pretty much the whole thing. That's uh, very interesting. Yeah, there's been, you know, there's been some sightings over the years of people saying that they've seen the Grinning Man but uh, that I, I, we could go over more and more of them, but you know, I feel like there's not a whole lot of credibility to some of these. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I didn't. You know, the the further on in time we get, like if you get once you get into like the two thousands and stuff, you're just like, wait a minute, <laughs> that is that doesn't. I don't know. Eh, who knows? Yeah, but, some some of the stuff doesn't add up. Really. Yeah, you know, it's just. And I think it's possible that some of those early sightings in particular, I think it's possible that they did see something that frightened them. But on the other hand, like these stories are just so fantastic that it's hard for me to take them at face value. So at the end of the day, I'm just kind of like, well, it's a really interesting story, but I don't know what to believe. I mean, I I don't want to say these people are lying, but on the other hand, it's like, I don't know, man, (laughs) this seems really weird, you know? There's actually, I looked at the blue book files. I always, not always, but I try to do that when I have time because what I look, what I'm looking for are sightings or, um, you know, people reporting similar things, you know, maybe in the previous month or in a different location on the same day or something like that, just to see if I can find something similar around the, you know, the same time, same place kind of a thing. Um, I, I found on November, there was a file that was just a three page file and the, the card, the title card or the, um, the summary card in the front said that the conclusion was 
other insufficient data for evaluation. And there was just the, basically the cover card, and then the middle page is a handwritten page, and then the last page are newspaper clippings pertaining to this case. Now, unfortunately, the handwritten page is very hard to read, and I couldn't make out a lot of it. But it said a couple of things, such as, we will follow through with investigation, indicating that maybe the military was interested in looking into it further. There are some other parts that said, for example, 1930 hours, see attachment number three. But there's no attachment number three in the, there's no attachments at all in the files. It's just the cover page, the handwritten page, and the newspaper clippings. So where did that, where did the attachments go? That means there's at least two other attachments besides three. What are they? What's in them? I don't know. Um, Oh, 200 hours. There's some illegible stuff and it says Naval Air Station. It was reported to him that redacted and then some something illegible saw a UFO at 11 p.m. for about two hours. No follow-up has been made in this case. So is that somehow related? I don't know. What does that mean? It's who knows, dude. And then um, October 16th, 1966 was another case that was, uh, I don't think it's related, but it was like a really, really interesting case. So I just wanted to mention it just because it's so cool. And the the cover card said that the conclusion was other insufficient data. The case was returning home at 7 p.m. south of New Madison on Route 121, and it happened 10 miles south of Greenville, Ohio. A witness saw a white crescent moon shape moving from the east to the west. The object changed from orange, or no, from white to orange, and then the shape changed into a funnel shape, and then it changed from red to white. The shape changed again to a sphere shape and then to a saucer shape. While it was in the saucer shape, they saw two dark streaks appear on the left side of the object. And I was like, huh, (laughs) that's kind of weird. So I just thought I'd mention it. I thought that was like a cool sighting. But there's not really much to it. That's pretty much all we have. We don't have a whole lot of data to go with that one, unfortunately. No multiple witnesses or any of that other good stuff. So yeah, I guess that's pretty much... I mean, that's it. That's Andrew Cold. That's the smiling man there. I mean, you could go a little deeper into the case and look up more stuff and whatever, but that's pretty much in a nutshell what we have on him. And I don't know. What is it? Was it an alien disguise? Was it some kind of robot that they had designed for making contact with people? Demon. And, and they were trying to study us. Yeah. A demon. Um, were they, you know, were they, uh, you know, was it a guy in a Halloween costume trying to just, you know, have a good time on acid or like, I don't know. Like it's, it's such a strange case because some of the witnesses, some of the witnesses do seem genuine, but on the other hand, it's like, it's just so bizarre. You're like, I I don't know if I believe this, but the witnesses seem genuine. It's such a weird case. It's one of those ones where it's hard for me to come to any sort of conclusion, but it's still quite a lot of fun to just sort of discuss and think about what if is this, could this be an alien race that had some kind of costume on? Because um, not all of the witnesses, but some of the witnesses, especially Woodrow, said that it looked exactly like a man. It looked just like a man with a very large grin. So could it be like an alien who made some kind of artificial robot or disguise to sort of make contact with us? It's fun to think about, but they did it in such a way that you know they they looked at our culture and said, okay, how could we contact them? you know, let's follow their car and then stop their car, I guess. But the way they did it was they thought they researched it and that's the way that we should make contact with them. But the way they did it ended up being 
completely fucking terrifying, you know, because they didn't do it right. You know, like, I don't know. It's fun to think about these things. So, I mean, who, who knows? Anything's possible. And I like to keep an open mind on these things, even if, you know, even if they seem completely bizarre, it's fun just to think about it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you could really help us out by taking a look at the affiliate link in the description. All right, so this week we're looking at a magnetic, levitating, floating world globe, which you can have on your desk at work to impress all of your friends. And if you click on the affiliate link, there's a little video to see if you like it. And if you give it a little spin, it'll turn for a few minutes before coming back to a rest. Yeah, this thing is really cool looking, so check it out. Your purchase helps out the show, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Hey, Worf, what's up? <laughs> uh, not a lot. It's a nice, uh, cool day over here. And uh, I'm from Queensland here in Australia. Um, yeah, it's about, uh, I don't know, 10 past one in the afternoon. Okay. That's not, not too bad. So over there in the States. That's not too horrible. Yeah, we're, we're in California, and the weather's actually surprisingly nice today. It's usually a lot harder this hotter this part of the year yeah we'll definitely take it yeah. it's still fire season though so there's that Yay. yeah it was pretty windy earlier i've never i've never said this but don't swallow <laughs> that was a message apologize <laughs> like oh that's okay <laughs> thanks for the <laughs> advice <laughs> yeah it's a good old um no oh, i've just who it was now but anyway, no, it's uh, it, I enjoy every moment of your uh, episodes. I've done a lot of catch up in the last couple of weeks to be up to date. Um, so yeah, it's uh, um, very interesting listening. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I find yours more interesting than everyone else's. So there's a big rap for you. And um, yeah, the uh, with Agent ETA, yeah, he just gives that bit of a comic to it. He's a funny yeah. fella. You're <laughs> yeah. all good anyway. Yeah. Well, thanks. We appreciate it. Yeah. ET is really good on the show because um, like I'm pretty much like I don't make too many jokes and I just I do like the research and I'm just more like just the facts like it happened this way, you know, and then ETA is always busting in um, early on in the show. I wanted to keep it like uh, non-explicit. Like family friendly. Yeah. I thought there would be an audience for that. And I spent, I don't know, probably the first year the ETA was on, I just would edit out so much of his stuff because he would crack so many jokes that were just and the, wi- and the wild, cursing. wildly inappropriate. <laughs> and the <laughs> cursing. I kind of want to go back and um, do like an outtakes show and, you know, put some of his jokes in it just because <laughs> he had some really good. Gotta like, crack yeah, he, he had some really good stuff that I had to cut out. And then at some point I was like, you know what? He's just too funny. I can't, I had to, I can't cut his stuff anymore. It's just too funny. So then I, I let him, I let him loose. <laughs> I, be free, be free. Yeah. I still cut some of his stuff. Like, right. I, I don't know if you've been to any of the live shows before, but he'll do stuff like, you know, fart into the microphone and <laughs> very appealing. I do cut that stuff. Cause I think that's a bit much, but <laughs> in general. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, thanks. Yeah, Big kid like I am, my big kid like I am, I did that with with my kids. I mean, they're all teenagers, but yeah, 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 yeah. It gets yeah, it's uh, but yeah, no, you, you um, keep it up, guys. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, I have some, and I still, I still got some things to share, and I'm going to uh, email you those things. I've had some experiences myself, but the end game is, um, keep it up, guys, because it's a very, very 
great podcast. And yeah, I'll support you to the hills. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, brother. Hey, speaking ETA. of speaking of ETA. Uh, ETA. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Sorry, I I I I set an alarm. I took a little nappy poo and it went longer than I thought it would. <laughs> that can happen right now and it's like it was, i was like wait a minute why is that why is my alarm not going off you know and like i, lo- I looked at the time and i was like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> so this is uh eta this is oh, the wharf this is the wharf we um on discord you know we can put people on the stage and allow them to speak it's actually really really like the way they have this set up on discord is pretty awesome actually makes it really easy uh-huh. to do this kind of stuff and uh, the the mixing board I have will automatically record the stage in a separate channel. Makes it super easy to put it onto the episode as well. The quality will be a little bit lower because just the way it does. But you know what can you do? Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, thanks. Really appreciate it. And I I definitely want to go to Australia at some point. It's like on the bucket list. I don't I, know. I don't. I'm oh, scared yeah. of all the spiders. Yeah, it's it, everything. Oh, that's so bad. Everything there wants to kill you over there. Yeah. Everything wants to murder you over there. Like <laughs> like our our most yeah, dangerous really our most dangerous creature here is like just pedestrian over there. Like it's just it just you know what like the yeah. black the black widow is probably widow. rattlesnake. They have, they have frogs there that'll kill you. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, the cane toes, the cane toes, which came from Mexico originally. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, they they've got their their um got a bit of a poison. If you touch them or you antagonize them for too long, they do have poison glands on them, so it does come through the skin. So yeah, you don't yeah. But apart from look, it's apart like every, I look frogs. at everything. It's, um, <laughs> I look at your rattlesnake and go, holy crap! I don't want to come near a rattlesnake. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Oh, that's true. But, yeah, guys, yeah. it'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Vice versa. I mean, I've been trying to get to the states, but yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. When you go, when you get a chance, get over here. It won't scare you. We'll cut his, we'll just give you big cuddles. <laughs> thanks, man. Well, that doesn't sound bad. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, thanks. Yeah, no. Well, I'll let you get on with the show. But, yeah, thanks for uh, letting me cut in there and um, say good day. And um, like I said, um, yeah, great stuff, guys. Keep it up. Yeah, and if if you have stories, if you want it maybe in a, a episode in the future or whatever, you can email it and we can read the email. Or you could just come on. And just uh, tell your story on the air too, as well, whichever you prefer. Yeah, no worries. All well, right. She use an email, and we'll work from there, mate. Right? 